Well, well, well. Fancy meeting you all here. It's been a while since we've done an hour-long podcast, so we figured we'd uh, dust off the old... I don't even know. We we haven't sat here. Tape recorder. The tape recorder. The uh, eight-track machine. Yes, yes. And get ourselves together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Know Nothing Nerd podcast. I'm one half of the Know Nothing Nerds, Luke Westcott. I'm, I'm the other half. Yes. Joined the, uh, by my other faithful The hairier Twitch. half. The hairier half, one might say. The Wookiee half. The baby face and the Wookiee. That's fitting for today's <laughs> conversation. <laughs> We said originally that we weren't going to talk about Star Wars until the next one came out, and here we are. The next one has come out. It did. In fact, it came out last Friday. Totally under the radar to me. I had no idea. It I came saw it out. Friday. Did you? Yeah. Had no idea it came out until like Sunday or Monday. Somebody was nice. like talking about. Yeah, it's all solo over the weekend. I was like, wait, what? Like, I that I, came out already. I had my eye on this one because no one was excited about it. Yeah, but I was. Yeah, and I I knew that I was going to be pretty crazy about it, regardless of how it actually turned out. I was going to be entertained. I knew that it wasn't going to be a quote Star Wars film like yeah. we've seen so far. Like even even Episode Eight's respect, The Last Jedi was very different from Star Wars that we've seen, but it's yes. still in that saga. Yeah. Whereas Solo, I feel I I had known coming into it was was going to be something very different from what we've yeah. seen, and I was pleasantly surprised. I uh, had no intentions to really watch it, sure, or to even uh, even look into anything about it because I saw a couple of the trailers and that was it. So I read nothing about like the issues that. People are claiming about yeah. it before it released and stuff. So, like, I had no interest in seeing it, but because of the interview today, I had to go see it. I was kind of forced yeah. into seeing yeah. it. Yeah. So, before we talk about the interview, um, talk about how you thought of it. Because basically, the next hour of this podcast is going to be me talking about how yes. much I liked it. So, let's get, I want to give you a, an opportunity to so, voice your opinion. I fell asleep. No way. I totally fell asleep. Snooze fest. I could have been a combination of I just got done with a shift at work. Sure. Or the fact that, like, I really wasn't invested. Like, even 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 the process of going to it felt like a chore. Yeah. I was it was, like, it was, and I'm not that guy when it comes I, to going to the movies. Well, like, you, I, you obviously are. I, <laughs> apparently with this one, I, I typically, like, am just – Hey, uh, I got a chance to go see a movie. I'm going to go to the theater. Like, yeah. And it's no an matter what time. it is. Yeah. Because I went to the cheapo theaters between classes to see whatever they're playing. And 80% of the time it was a shit show film. <laughs> and I went anyways. Right. And I was like, hey, I'm at a movie theater. I'm got my popcorn and whatever. But yeah. this film, I was just like, oh, really? I just don't want to go see it. Sure. And I saw it and I was like. It was entertaining. I'll, I'll give it that. Like Obviously it not entertaining its, enough, though. True. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't see Han Solo. You like, didn't? No. I thought he did so good. There was... I, I didn't see Han Solo. I, I really was like, this story seems really... It seems jumbled. Like the best p- part that I can say is that they're trying to take 
aspects of the Star Wars world and mesh it with like and by Star Wars world I mean like the Star Wars genre. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Cause Star Wars has its own fill and texture and stuff. I feel like they try to take that, but push in a heist movie along with a little bit of uh uh tribal feuding going on and um a little bit of westerns and put them all together. Sure. Along with a little bit of comedy. Sure. And I think the comedy failed pretty yeah, pretty damn yeah. hard in it. Like the jokes were so like wah 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 after I heard them like ah this is some cheesy cheesy shit. Sure. And the other thing too is that there was so much quote unquote fan servicing going in there by by under the guise of like, oh, this is this is like connecting to the other films, yeah. like where we saw them yeah, and like yeah, what yeah. we saw in the past and stuff. And it was just like the the way they put that stuff in was not um, clever at all. Sure, like there was only a couple things that I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like uh, I do got to admit when uh, Chewie first took the first uh, first mate seat. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Like I, I did, I did dig that. Like he just was like, uh, flipped on the switches and everything and knew exactly what to do. And Han's just like, how you're a pilot. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm 190 years old, bitch. Like you look, of course great. I'm a pilot. <laughs> so I thought that was good. Like sure. that was the only part that I was like, and then, you okay, fell, that's good. And then you fell asleep and missed everything. And then I fell asleep and missed everything. No, I, I fell asleep for like about five minutes right in the middle somewhere. So see, ultimately, I mean, I mean, if you, I, I love the movie, let me say that. And I will talk about some of the flaws in this interview, uh, coming up here in a few minutes, but I loved the movie, but I will say that you could sleep through the entire duration of the film and not miss anything. No, it's so because, true. Because we didn't need this, you know, nothing happens. That's the other yeah. thing is like, and here's, here's something that bugged the shit out of me and like spoilers, huge spoilers for everybody that's going to go see it. Why you would go see it in the theaters right now? I really don't know, but because it's good, but you don't need to, I, I feel it's something that could easily just be put on streaming services and we call it a day. Anyways, it pro- it's going to go theaters quickly or on DVD. Quickly. On, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, the whole fucking ending with uh, Kara, is that Kira. her name? Kira? Yeah. Kira? Being a, a lieutenant or whatever, a pawn in the, the Sith, like the dark side. Why was that bad? Because it totally acts as if it's setting it up for a sequel. Yeah, and Which, would that be a God problem? God forbid if they make a sequel. I'm gonna, uh. I don't think that's them setting it up for a sequel. I think that's them sticking in the universe as big as Star Wars. Yeah, but it's it's it seems like they're trying to prolong the story. We don't need to know any more about Han. We've talked about this before. Yeah, we did. We like, talked about it way before the movie was like, even. Like there is no. And he, to be perfectly honest. There was no new revelations about the character of right. Han that were brought forth in this movie. And and I would have preferred to have kept him as this elusive mystery yeah. that I respect and love as Han Solo. And if anything, like it's not the Han Solo that we know. 
Like that I that I agree, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I talk about that in the interview that like a character who changes, in my opinion, is way better than a character who stays static. That is so far before we see Han. In I don't Tatooine. think so. No, 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 dude. That's he, that can't be too far off from like Tatooine. I I would assume that they're going straight from where the hell planet they were to Tatooine, and that's when he gets hooked up with Jabba. Okay, so here's what I'll say. That's up to assumption. We don't know that. I would say but it's he, a couple uh, years max. So, yeah, but I'm just saying in that time frame, people change. Yeah, but... And it's it's the same story with, with Luke Skywalker. People, you, are, people are all mad that old Luke is bitter, and it's like, well, yeah, but so much but time has passed. that was years, and, and ye- that was decades even. Like uh, I'm just saying, people can change, and I prefer characters with more depth to them. All right? So you can stop being a negative Nancy. But I don't think there was any depth in you've this been, Han Solo. You've been a negative Nancy about the past three new Star Wars films. Are you aware of that? What? I lo- Wait, okay. No. Negative Nancy about... Definitely a negative Nancy about The Last Jedi. Yes, this film. This film. And you didn't like Rogue One. I loved Rogue One, Oh, dude. you didn't love Seven, did you? I didn't mind Force Awakens. Oh. I thought it was... Well, then whatever. You've been a negative Nancy about the last two... <laughs> Star Wars that have come out. Why can't you just let joy in your heart? Because I'm a critical thinker. Like I, I right, but you I, can't. You hear me critically thinking about Han Solo movie. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't love. But it. I call like, myself a Star Wars fan. Thus, I, I am a fan of Star Wars. <laughs> I hate it when people say they're a fan of Star Wars and then rip into the prequels, every, everything that's not the original trilogy. And the original trilogy was just as bad as all I these films. I would disagree, but I think, for, like, I thought it was entertaining enough, but I don't think it's halfway through. I know, I know. I like I said, it could be due to the fact that I just got <laughs> yes, done yes, with the yes, shift yes, of work. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but like. I just had issues with it. Like, I think that, and I, I'll do the same thing with other movies that I don't think were handled the way that they sure. could have been. Sure. Cause I think that they could have done a better job. I think that part of the problem is the fact that we're just Disney in more than other people. They're just trying to catch on to this cash cow that's been dropped on them. And I can't entirely blame them, but it's not given room for artists to actually like sure. really dive sure. into sure. it and like take their time with developing the project. <clears throat> Cause I don't think that like that they really gave enough time between Star Wars films. Like we've had with a new Star Wars film. Pe- like, people are Star Wars fatigued right now. I'm very much looking forward to the next year and a half off. Yeah. Because we have a good amount of time before the next Star Wars film. And I'm excited for that time. Because, I because I because A, I think J.J. Abrams needs all the time and space that he can get. And I'm pretty sure that most of us are now going to be like, all right, just do your thing. We're not going to peer into it too much. Yeah. Do your thing. We'll see the trailer. We'll see the movie. You know what I mean? I think at this point a lot of the fans haven't necessarily checked out, but they're getting tired. Um, and that could be due to like last lackluster films that have been coming out mm-hmm. in the Star Wars, tr- uh, the new trilogy and the new other thing, the anthologies. But uh, 
but they have a they have a big climb to make from here. Yes. And that's I can't put all the blame on the individual directors and stuff like that. It's hard to pin it on one person cuz like one person can't ruin Star Wars. I don't think so either. Although George Lucas sure tried his just kidding. Totally kidding. Although Luca, the Luke. fans sure tried to. <laughs> no, I would agree. The fans are a huge, huge part of that equation. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you look at it, and the fans are a big, big part of what's ruining Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy is a big part of what's ruining Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yeah. The directors are a big part. The writers, everyone involved. It's not one person's fault. You know what I mean? This is a... This is a um, this is an analogy that a YouTube channel that I listen to um, it talks about like one one room of the Titanic filling up with water isn't bringing the whole ship down. Yeah, it was the fact that the whole ship was get, being submerged that yes. brought the ship down. Yeah, so I think I think it's safe to say that Star Wars is a Titanic sized entity. Yeah, and that it takes more than one one leakage to yeah. take it down. So I agree that there's a lot of problems with it. But I'm not going to let that get in the way with the fact that I call myself a fan and will stay true to it. You guys are like you guys are like fans of football teams only when they're winning. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what you guys remind me of. Like, yeah, go Patriots, and then they lose the Super Bowl, and you like burn all your Patriots stuff and put on. I will f- say this: I never called myself like a, like an Uber Star Wars fan like yourself. That's fair. That's fair. I'm a fan of the originals, but you do understand that people say they are fans like I say I am a fan. Correct, and then proceed to say, "Oh, but episodes one, two, three, six, seven, or uh, seven, eight, the two anthologies are all terrible." And it's like, so then, what's there left to like? The Clone Wars, apparently. <laughs> cartoon series because I, I, awesome. I hear that that is like unabashedly like the it's, one thing that like all star wars nerds and fans agree on that agree is on amazing is that it clone is. wars the animated it series is. is great it is so anyway that with that 15 minute rant out of the way this is gonna be a long podcast episode um this so after i saw uh han solo i went home feeling that i needed to go on the internet because i knew everyone hated this yeah and, you know, my, my buddy and I who saw it, we both loved it. And we both agreed that when we got home, we would find one video that was complete opposite to us. Okay. And just see what we thought of. And he and he found one. And uh, I stumbled across Midnight's Edge, which is a YouTube channel. At the end of the interview, uh, the guy who – one of the guys on the channel is going to plug the stuff. So if you want to go find them, uh, you can go to their – you can search YouTube for Midnight's Edge now and find all their stuff. Or wait until the end of the interview, and he's going to plug his Twitter and all that, all that good stuff, um, and talk about some of the things that he does on the YouTube channel. But basically, what I saw was a solo, a Star Wars movie rant, and I was like, "Perfect! Rant is usually not simulated or uh, uh, paired up with something that's good." Yeah, right. So, it's usually not positive. <laughs> yes. So I clicked on that and I watched it, and um, I, I, I think I said it in the interview. If I'm not, and you're listening, Tom, I'm sorry that I didn't give you praise for it. Because it's a great video. I was very entertained by it, but I did disagree with a lot of things that you said. I reached out to Tom, and a few days later, uh, I had him come on the podcast, and we had a nice conversation that you guys are about to listen to. So, Just so you know, just kind of a warning, there are a lot of spoilers, which I'm going to put in at the beginning. Um, but the other thing to kind of pay attention to is that this is not just about Han Solo that we talked about. 
I think everyone's kind of beating the dead horse right now and trying to jump on top of the solo fandom or the solo uh, hate train right now. And I'm trying my best not to do that and go and I, against it. And I'm it. totally not helping that matter. Either. Yes, no, you're not. <laughs> but, like, uh, we're doing our best not to be sellouts on the podcast, and I don't want to do that. I want to stay true to who we are. And so I just wanted to have a conversation about him, about Star Wars, because he's a very knowledgeable guy. So here's the interview. Um, enjoy it, and we'll see you in a little bit. Now you just have to sit here for an hour. Sweet. Just dead silence. Just it makes editing a lot other. easier if we just match the length. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way easier. So, yeah, I've never heard of you guys before. Where You guys do all your stuff on Twitch and... Uh... Yes, or, uh, not Twitch, but uh, you um, said uh, we would we would love to go to Twitch. Uh, right, my co-host name ironically is Twitch, and that's that's what draws that's a lot of the confusion. Of yeah, um, but he's Twitch without a, a second T. Yeah, we've been looking to get on like Stitcher. That's the one I was thinking of. Stitcher and uh, iTunes and stuff like that too. We're just so. <laughs> old <laughs> we had a couple guys that were helping us with that stuff and they take off on us so it's like okay yeah yeah uh that that can be tough um twitch is twitch has handled all of the uh technical side i just do the editing and the uploading but uh he's go. he's done a really good job figuring all that out i can't for the life of me right yeah that's what i do i do most of the editing all that kind of stuff your uh, your channel your channel's super interesting. So after I watched that video, I left that message. I just sent that out there. Um, I wasn't really anticipating a response, but I'm happy <laughs> that you did. Um, and I, I checked out I checked out your channel. I liked it. I found it very entertaining. I found your video very entertaining as well. Um, That's one of my first ones I've done by myself on there, which is weird because I'm actually uh, Andre is the guy, I don't know if you heard him on any of the videos. He's the one who actually started Midnight's Edge a couple of years back. Gotcha. And then Rob and I were brought on over time, but yeah, he, so he kind of runs the show, but I'm kind of like the CEO, to- I guess you could put it. <laughs> totally. Totally. So you two, uh, so you two, or you three, I guess you know each other or are you, uh, more of internet friends? We never met each other in real life. We had planned on it a couple times. just hasn't worked out because Andre lives over in Norway. Uh, Rob lives over by New York, and I live in the Midwest. So. Oh, where in the Midwest? <laughs> yeah, we're, I live in Wisconsin. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. We're up in the uh, Uper, not too far. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, Twitch and I are in Colorado, so we're kind of Midwest okay. as well. Um, All right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Never been there, but always would like to go there. It's a great place. I've been here 10 years, and... I think Twitch has been here for longer, but uh, it's a good, it's a good place to live. Um, so what I hear. So what exactly is the name of your guys' podcast? So, so we are the Know Nothing Nerds. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, All right, yeah, yeah, and that's that's our deal. We've been going for about half a year now. Um, Twitch and I have very oh, cool. different uh, dynamics because he's mo- he has more of a critical thinker, um, and I tend to fall on more of the fanboy side of things. Um, I tend to just enjoy uh, movies way too much and and TV and music and video games and so we kind of we kind of take a similar approach to how you guys do it and it, there's no real focus to our channel. We're not solely about Star Wars. We're not solely about um, 
we we right. we just like to pinpoint something that has a pretty big nerd following, and then we spend a week learning about it. Um, right. And so, I mean, we've yeah. done as far as a lot of video games that come out, like Cuphead and stuff like that. But then we also have dwelled into fantasy football, and so we try and hit everyone. Um, there you go. Yeah, Rob would probably be. See, he, Rob's really good at that kind of stuff too, and he's kind of more of the. He knows all the little trivia stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andre, he's just more of a super fan, but he also knows corporate, how corporations work and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of gets more so into that handles, kind of yeah. stuff. Um, me, I've been just in, in the industry here and there throughout the years to the point where I just know so much. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, yeah. I've worked in video, had my own video store, worked with movie gallery for a while. Um, I used to have some contacts in Warner Brothers, but not so much anymore. We've been trying to work out some more contacts, but Midnight's Edge really took off because they started, um, Andre and his old partner kind of started more talking about like, uh, the Netflix series and stuff like that, like Punisher and Daredevil sure. and the darker comic book characters. But they really took off when they, they were, we were the first ones to really dig into the emails from Sony and we reported a lot of that stuff about Ghostbusters and Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where we got our claim to fame. And then recently we uncovered a lot of the Star Trek discovery shenanigans. So that's another, that's another where we got a little bit of boost there. And, um, as far as star Wars goes, we've been kind of on the fence, uh, because we've all kind of been just mixed reactions to all the films yeah. as of late. Yeah. So each one of us has our own individual kind of feelings on it. So it varies. Uh, this one though really just just irked the hell. Yeah, out I I, I got that I got that feeling from the from the uh, video. Um, I'll be honest, it was kind of scripted and coerced by Andre, but no, sure. Yeah, um, yeah it was it was set up to where it was supposed to sound like it was more but. more more toward a rant, yeah. Um, what, as, so I saw it opening night and I saw it again on Friday because I was a big fan of the movie, but, uh, on Friday, on Friday, when I got out, I was, I had immediately known that the community must not have taken to it very well. Uh, and even, even your video is good proof to that. Your like to dislike ratio, the majority of solo, uh, the majority of the solo reviews that I've seen have been pretty divided on their like to dislike ratio, but uh, you seem to have a, a good voice for your fans because I'm looking at a very uh, good like to dislike ratio on your video. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said to I was on Monday and Matt yesterday talking to him, and I said to him, I was like, you know, you enjoyed the movie, Matt, and that's cool. I don't want to take that away from anybody, sure. anybody who enjoyed the movie, you know. And I'm not trying to like coerce anybody into like thinking my way either. You know, I just, you know, I noticed these things and they bothered me. And if it didn't bother other people and they were had fun with the movie, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I was one of those where I was on the fence about the last Jedi too. And we got attacked a lot as far as how our feelings were on that because we didn't just dump on it. Cause you know, we were kind of middle of the road. We're like, Oh, it has its issues. And we went through the issues, but we're like, it also looks great. It has some really cool moments. Yeah. And this, that and the other. And, you know, so we were kind of on the fence about that. And same thing with Rogue One. Rob and I thought it was just fine. Andre didn't like it as much. And all three of us actually didn't mind The Last Jedi, or I mean, Force Awakens. So um, we didn't get the JJ hate until later on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool, though. That's cool. It seems like you three have a pretty good dynamic that you bring. Um, 
yeah, we don't try to stifle each other. Like if we're like, oh, you got to agree with us. Yeah. You, know, you shouldn't come on. You know, we, we try to get as much of a, you know, a diverse look at anything. Sure. Because that's kind of what we do is we try to look around the spin, uh, especially in a lot of our, uh, when we do the news segments on the After Dark channel, which is the one I primarily run of the sister channel, um, a lot of those we'll just we'll try and find every angle, you know, we'll re, we're, we'll go into the story as it's presented to us. And then if we find something else that'll contradict it or, you know, we'll come up with two or three other scenarios that are possible. Sure. We don't like to just sit there and take it take it, you know, at face value, especially when it comes from studio, because we know how they work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of friends on the inside, but we have a few. We get a lot of people who will come up to us and bring us information. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we're we're not like anti-anything. We don't try to destroy anything. Our whole goal is to make sure that, you know, the studios understand why it is the, the fans are upset with something and how to fix it. Yeah. And hopefully if we can influence the next generation to understand what went wrong Absolutely. and what went right then maybe that'll make all the difference going down the road. Absolutely. So that's kind of our goal. And we really, really love to like get involved with like young filmmakers and stuff like that to help, you know, kind of understand what the industry is all about and how they can get themselves involved and still be able to have a voice and not be stifled by the corporate politics. Right. Basically. Right. And, and not sell out. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I, I fear, and, and this is a few points that I had actually written down there's there's a pretty good chunk on of your video that I do actually agree with you on. Um, I I hate to see something that I love so much turning into such a political uh, agenda sort of thing. It's it's no longer a fandom now. It's it's a, a point to be made in every film that they that uh, Kathleen Kennedy feels like she has to push her agenda in every single film more and more and more. Um, and I think that that is kind of a shame to see that happen because, you know, you take the original trilogy and at, at least episode four, if nothing else, at least episode four, that was a true love child, you know, that George Lucas had. He, he right. had a true love for this, this thing that he wanted to share with us. And so that's what he did. And, you know, studios always come along and something as big as Star Wars can't stay pure forever. And we all knew that no. Dis once Disney bought Star Wars that it it didn't smell as good as it should have. Um, and, and I think when The Force Awakens came out, we all started to realize that maybe this wasn't the greatest choice uh, that had happened. And I, I forget the term, but I think they're calling it Star Wars fever or something like that right now, that the people are, are feeling like we're kind of getting too much Star Wars now. A little oversaturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this 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 though a little bit different than Last Jedi. I noticed because especially you bring up you know like the video. Uh, like I've noticed in a lot of the comments compared to the Last Jedi though, it's not as hostile. Yeah, there was a lot more hostility surrounding the Last Jedi to now because you have a lot of. I had a lot of comments where I was actually pleasantly surprised where they were like. You know, I liked the movie, but I understand why you didn't, and you do make a lot of good points, but this is why I liked the movie, instead of getting, oh, you're just a fanboy crybaby, or, <laughs> totally. you know, something stupid like that, to where it's like, um, okay, these guys actually took the time to write out a very eloquent comment about how they liked it, understand why I didn't, and thanked me for doing the review just the same. Sure. 
and that's you know that's the kind of cordial kind of interactions that we don't have so much anymore when it comes to nerd culture and we need more of that yeah i and when i first yeah, go ahead. i i totally agree with you i think that uh, Star Wars has been polarizing in a very strange way, but polarizing in a way that I think a lot of the fans still respect each other. There's not as much. I, I I think immediately to Rick and Morty with this kind of thing, where if if you're not a super fan of Rick and Morty, if you don't know any, anything about Rick and Morty, then you probably shouldn't be getting into that fandom because it's kind of a toxic environment right now. A little bit, yeah. But with Star Wars, I feel like there's a lot more room to hear each other out. Well, yeah, Star Wars was, see, growing up, to me, it seemed like Star Trek was always the fandom where it just seemed like even the Star Trek fans within themselves would get into those little petty sure. arguments growing up. And it was like, oh, okay, well, at least the Star Wars fans, they can agree to disagree, yeah. it seemed like, until The Last Jedi. And and then all of a sudden, it was like that toxicness just came out of nowhere. Rose. And it was like, God, and I thought the Star Trek fans were bad. <laughs> this is horrid. This, yeah. I mean, and I really got to the point where I told Andre, I was like, we just, I know, I know it's not good for clicks, but we're just going to back off of Star Wars for a while. This shit's just too toxic, yeah. you know? And then people were wondering why we weren't just doing a buttload of Star Wars stories. And it's like, why? We're not going to just do it for clickbait. That's not what we're about. You know, I, I mean, we're, we've been accused of being Disney shills and this and that and the other, depending on which way we go. And it's like. <laughs> Really, outside of Marvel, they haven't really had any consistency, so we're not sure where you're getting that. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just like me. It's like I'll, you know, I'll constantly be, you know, attacked for hating on movies all the time. But it's like, okay, I'm very critical of movies, but if you look at what I usually give a movie for a final rating, that's why I quit giving the movies ratings in the videos because it never seemed to make a difference. Because totally. I could sit there and be critical about a movie and still give it a seven out of 10. And to one person, I'm being too generous to it. The other person, <laughs> I'm not being too harsh on yeah. it. So you can't win no matter Put, what you do in that arena. But yeah, totally putting, putting a hard number on something I've learned is, is never the smartest idea just because you're to your point, like, you know, everyone's going to have those different opinions, but once you put that number on it, that's you shelling out your final thought and, you know, you're putting your foot down on, this is how good it was. And, there's always someone who's yeah. going to disagree with you on that. See, and then I also had a bad habit of giving out too many 10 out of 10s. Because <laughs> so, I'll rewatch a movie. I'm like, yeah, this wasn't exactly a 10 out of a 10, I guess. <laughs> I, think, I think that has a lot yeah, to do so, with yeah. the uh, excitement of a release, though. Yes, yes. Like, I uh, always definitely. enjoy a movie my first time through than I do on my second. <laughs> because there's quite a few movies that'll drop or sometimes even raise a point a year later when I rewatch them. And, you know, I don't have a ton of time as it is to watch the stuff I'm supposed to watch. Now. <laughs> sure. But, uh, so yeah. So when I do try and take time out to watch a movie again, like the last Jedi, when I rewatched it on video, it just, it got worse the second time. I was like, really, why did this has to have to happen? You know? And I'm sure a lot of it had to do with just everything surrounding it. I think that too. But, uh, I think the, the, fans who are pointing all these nitpicky things out gets to your head and eventually it's it's so hard to avoid it when you're watching it right and i mean i watched my partner rob i mean uh the uh narrator supreme over there at midnight's edge as we call him i watched him go from eh, it was okay to just that toxic i hate this <laughs> yeah 
over a, a short amount of time because it just started to dawn on him how much this really rubbed him the wrong way. And I totally understood what he was going through. But at the same time, I was trying to hang on to that fandom, I think, a little bit to the point where when things really started getting bad there and between Ryan Johnson having to go out and explain to the fans why they're all wrong. <laughs> and like you said earlier with, you know, getting more and more obvious that Kathleen Kennedy is pushing her political agenda. Yeah. It just got to, cause I really stuck up for her for a long time. I kept saying, you know, I don't think she's trying to get her politics involved in the star Wars stuff. She should know better. Well, then it started to become more blatantly obvious, especially with the last Jedi, you know, it was like, okay, this is, you know, she's literally shoving it in our face right. now. It's time to say something. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I had that turn, you know, I had that turn because I felt really bad, too, because I've been a fan of her since I can remember because I know she's been involved with so many films that I've loved my entire life. So I, I just I couldn't believe that she would really allow her personal politics to get involved with something so, you know, important to so many people. And, and and to sit there and grandstand on all this stuff, like with the forces feminine and all that kind of crap, yeah. and, you know, not to misquarter, but the whole thing about, oh, they don't really need Luke Skywalker. The kids nowadays don't need that hero. I know that's not exactly how she put it, but the sentiments there. Yeah. Towards I, like She said something along the lines of like, people can't, people can't relate to Luke Skywalker or something like that. He's not a relatable hero or something. Which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, <laughs> and I think that showed, in, you know, even those who liked the movie will sit there and say, yeah, Luke kind of got the shaft. You know? Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, so I mean, uh, that's, and that's one of my biggest pet peeves about the film is, is how he was treated at the end. And it's like, why couldn't you just have him show up in that X wing and actually be there, you know, and, and make it a little bit worthwhile because everybody's like, Oh, well he still got to meet Carrie Fisher at the end. And I, no, really they weren't there together. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and I think know? to myself at that last scene, how badass would it have been to have found out that after he, you know, survives those blasts that he took from all the surrounding tanks and everything that were there, if he were actually physically there, you know, right. Yeah. I think, he just used the force to shield himself. Yeah. Or I think yeah. that would have been a much better demonstration of his power than him force projecting. Yeah, it just it made it was it's one of those things where it's just like a lot of, you know, a lot of much to do about nothing just to. Yeah. Our own term, because it's like he just made this big thing out of something that should have been very simple, because the moment that R2 showed him, you know, that old hologram of Leia, that should have been the moment been like, ah, crap, that's my I gotta sister. Go. I got to yeah. do something. Yeah, she's going to she's know, in it, danger. I know it. She knows that I have to go save her. Because at first I did like the whole Unforgiven kind of setup with him to where, oh, he's the old, you know, warrior. He don't want to get involved in this stuff no more, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I, I thought, okay, I could see where this is going. But since Ryan Johnson had to subvert expectations. Yeah, right. Because of Looper. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I almost feel like he was trying to prove himself too much as that director who yes. can, you know, mess with our brains. And Well, and what really did it for me was the, the scene with Snoke and Ray. When you had a double whammy of two characters that don't mean anything, to me that's like, okay, he's trolling the audience. Yeah. This is a straight-up troll because for years everybody had their theories about who Snoke was and who Ray was. And in one fell swoop, he made sure that neither one of them meant anything, meaning everybody's – meaning every single person's theory in the world was wrong now. Do, do you think, though – this is probably going to go in, into the podcast just because I, I think – you and I are onto something here, but um, do you think? Oh, do you think that that's a bad thing? 
Because I think one of the biggest problems with the Star Wars community right now and why it's so polarizing is that we are setting up ridiculous expectations for something that we know, I think we know deep down inside can't be met. But we still create right. them that, you know, Snoke is someone who we know about and right. that uh, Ray is another Skywalker or something like that. When in reality, mm-hmm. I don't think they need to be. No, you're totally right there. But my issue is this, the double whammy is what I'm getting to. It's kind of a whole you fool me once, shame on you kind of thing. Fool me twice, shame on me. When we don't even have that choice because he went and did it. Bam, bam. You know, it'd been clever if one of them. Sure, you know I mean? sure. Like, clever, okay, Snoke's a nobody, who cares? Okay, oh, you got everybody that way. But then to do it twice in a row with Ray then and make her a complete nobody too, that to me got to the point where, like, okay, you are trolling the audience. Yeah. You're just deliberately doing this on purpose. And when you do that within the film, it's a lot like Ghostbusters 2016. <laughs> it's like you're taking yourself away from what you were, you know, you're literally playing towards the audience in a sense that, Ha ha, I got you, but not in a fun kind of way. Not you know not in a mean? satisfying kind of way. Exactly. Um, Cause and I'm sure they can retcon Ray. That's fine, but they shouldn't have to. And I think that's what rubs a lot of the fans the wrong way, is that it's, it's so much of what Ryan did was just to say, F you, I'm right, you're wrong now, ha ha ha. And and that rubbed people the wrong way. And I know he wasn't exactly going out and doing that, but in his way he was. And then to turn around and just kind of leave the trilogy in a situation like, well, where do you go from? Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious and, and I hate to say it, but nervous for uh, the load that JJ Abrams has to do. Um, Well, he gets to finally prove to us if he can finish something. now. Yeah, (laughs) I suppose that's fair. Um, So as much as I've kind of half-assed stuck up for him, you know, sorry about the language, but you know, sorry. We're kind of how I pro language. Okay. You know, so I won't censor myself too much then, but you know how I've stuck up for him over the years. I do have to admit, you know, the guy's never really finished anything. Yeah. So we need to see here if he can actually finish this up in a satisfying way, just to steal a quote from you a second ago. And that's where we're at right now with this whole thing. And the fact that Ryan went forward with this, um, without actually seeing The Force Awakens, only reading the script from what we know of, um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy allowing him to disregard what J.J. and I'm assuming Kasdan and those guys had set up for an overall trilogy, which we have more than enough proof now between uh, Simon Pegg and Ridley. coming out and saying, oh, yeah, there was a treatment. She knew who her parents were and all this other. And there was even interviews with her back when The Force Awakens came out that she already said she knew who her parents were. And that it was all planned out. So we knew there was a plan going forward. And to just let someone like Ryan Johnson come in and chuck out that plan. Yeah. And and then, I mean, <sighs> even to see the, the, the repercussions of that have been massive because you see interviews with Daisy Ridley. And she she's now speaking. She's like, I don't even know what Ray wants. And, <laughs> right. and <laughs> well, and that's the problem you had is all these characters kind of took a 180 and they have you know, like, well, that's not what Finn acted like right. before. Well. That's kind of what Poe acted like before, but why is he doing that now? You know, and and same thing with Ray. It's like, okay, she kind of took a little bit of a change in character too, and all this was just so Ryan could suit himself in his own manner, which is fine in certain situations if you're doing a personal project as a director. But when you're making like a Marvel movie or what we've learned – sorry. That's fine. That. When you're making like a Marvel movie – 
or like we've learned with the DC universe, you can't allow these directors to get too into the project. They have to accept the outside world as, okay, we're building this universe here. So you have to stick within these confines. Kevin Feige has figured that out. Granted, we could have gotten an Ant-Man with Edgar Wright, but Feige stepped up and said, no, this does not fit with our vision of the Marvel Universe, and I'm sorry if you can't work within those confines. So that didn't work out between those two, sad to say, but Feige made the right decision in that moment by not letting Edgar Wright make that movie. Now, could we have gotten a better movie than we got? Maybe. But now, would it have fit so well into the Marvel Universe? Probably not. Sure. You know, and it's the same kind of thing here. Kathleen Kennedy is allowing these guys, much like DC has allowed a lot of their directors to just take too much control over the situation. And now they've found themselves in the same place that DC did with Justice League to where now what do we do to fix this thing? And that's, I I have a feeling that's going to be a lot of the underlying tones coming into episode nine to where it's like, okay, we've really got to fix this thing now. And they're expecting J.J. to do it. And a lot of people don't have any faith in J.J. after The Force Awakens. And I understand that. We got basically what was a retread of the first Star Wars film. Granted. But there was a reason for that. And I understood that at that time. Because I was sure that that from here on out they were going to take it other places. I didn't expect them to take it places that The Last Jedi took us. But you cannot sit there and say that that wasn't a different film than what everybody expected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because... I think something that one of my good buddies and I talk about all the time, he's another just super Star Wars fan and loves everything that they put out. But as a as a community, we can't complain about the same thing. We can't complain about Star Wars doing the same thing and then also complain when they try something different. I think right. I think we're trying to have our cake and eat it too. And um, well, and I think a lot of the critics, and I think a lot of the critics of the force awakens were quick to forget and they used the prequels a lot of times to make their points. It's like, um, that might not a good, that's not a good idea because the prequels have a lot of stuff where they echo the original films as well. Um, and even George Lucas himself has said, these movies are cyclical. They, they work in a, just like a song, you know, they all kind of match each other. And if you look at the films, yeah, as far as the, the prequel trilogy goes, it doesn't match up exactly with the first trilogy, but there's moments and beats. Yeah, the, the majority like, of the beats that are hit are pretty cut and copy. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you can't really blame J.J. for that, and you know they were playing it safe at that moment because a lot of people forget that after the prequel, Star Wars kind of became a joke. Oh, totally. Um, And George Lucas had toyed with the idea of – toyed, pun intended, <laughs> because he loves toys uh, – toyed with the idea of selling Star Wars to to Disney way, way back in the 90s way before he did even the prequels because he thought, you know, this is just something that I didn't really want to get stuck under. I mean, it, it destroyed his marriage. He became, you know, the guy known for star Wars. Right. That was it. He's the, he's the one hit wonder now is even though he's done great films like THX and American graffiti mm-hmm. and sure people remember those movies, but, but you know, when you mention star Wars, it's George Lucas, that's going to be his epitaph when he right, passes, right. The man who created star Wars passes away, you know, and I'm, I understand where his, you know, and a lot of fans will get all upset if you say, oh, George Lucas doesn't like Star Wars. He doesn't like Star Wars in the same way that we think he does because he's on the inside. It's something he created. And now it's like, you know, and I understand how he got to a point where it's like, well, why would I want to keep making these when everybody tells me I'm doing it wrong? (laughs) And I understand where he's coming from. I sympathize with the guy on one hand. And on the other hand, I also don't sympathize with him because you locked yourself into this little room and 
built up these people around you who were afraid to say anything yeah. to you. That's how we got Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Because if one person would have been smart enough to say, you know what, George, this is probably a little too far, then things probably would have turned out a lot differently on the prequels. They'd have been closer to the original trilogy because the original trilogy is one of those things where it was a very collective. Yes, yeah, and 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 it's not just George Lucas's fingerprints all over Star Wars Episodes Five and Six. Is that there exactly. are so many people telling him, "No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that." Sure, you can try that. That doesn't make sense. Or that's going to be too hard to right. do. Or yeah, yeah, and, and nobody's going to understand this because it's boring or something. <laughs> right, right, or it's it's ridiculous. And and then they all seem to back away, and for the for the prequels. And I love if you've ever if you have the DVD of the Phantom Menace, they have one of the greatest documentaries ever about the making of a movie on there. And it's called The Beginning. And it's about an hour and a half long, roughly. And it's all about the making of episode one from point one to the end. And you can watch the deconstruction of how this thing went down and what went Interesting. wrong. And it's a very interesting watch, and I don't think they knew it at the time they were making the documentary, but now in retrospect, you can watch it, and you see when you get to the end when everybody's kind of telling him, George, you went too far, <laughs> and he even knows it himself. Yeah. And he basically says he backed himself into a corner now because you can't change it. You can't take anything out now because it's all put together. Yeah, And, and I mean, you, in that in yeah. <laughs> that time when The Phantom Menace came out, it's much harder to get a band together and reshoot. You know, you think of what happened – Exactly, you think of what happened yeah. with Chappie in North Korea when they had to refilm 90% of that film, but they could do it in less than a year. Well, and Solo is a grand example of that to bring it back around because they were able to sh basically reshoot the entire film in half the time they'd already been filming, basically. Right. And it's just amazing at how they pulled it off. I'll give them that much, but I wish they would have pushed it off to December. I wish they would have gave Ron Howard a chance to go in there and kind of rework things a little bit, maybe rewrite things a little bit, because there is a very enjoyable movie in there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, my rant aside, there is moments that I did enjoy, but there was just so much of that cringeworthy <laughs> stuff in there that it's like, why did you have to have this? Just a perfect example is when Tobias brings up going to tattooing. You know, it's like, okay, is this really something that's relevant now, or is this something that shouldn't be relevant till 10 years down the right. road? You know what I mean, because I have a hard time feeling like Solo has been running from Jabba for 10 years, you know, or even eight years or seven years. I mean, OK, so maybe in the next film he's, you know, because he's known as one of the best smugglers. So, of course, we didn't really get to see that, though. We got to see him do one run. So hopefully they get to show us a little more. But I was kind of upset by how at the end of this movie they kind of killed his arc because he's a goody goody two shoes at the end and the heart of gold and all this kind of stuff. It's like. Uh, that doesn't seem like the solo we know in the beginning of, um, you know, in the beginning of Star Wars because he's he's a guy who's ready to take the money and run. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, and I I can see that, you know, from from a standalone film, I can see that 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 story arc isn't very convincing. But uh, I want to challenge you in two parts, and sure. uh, one of them being is that earlier I believe you said this verbatim was that you were okay and you enjoyed Luke turning into the kind of sour old man that he became, um, which is a total 180 change from who he was in episode six even. Right. Um, and so who's to say that, you know, I like my characters with depth. I don't, I don't really enjoy a static character. And so to your point, Solo as a standalone, Solo as a pun intended Solo film is not, the greatest for uh, character arcs because you're right. No, even you know Amelia Clark's character, she she starts off as a slave and pretty much ends as a slave. 
Um, yeah. And there, there's not a lot of character arcs and stuff like that that you see. But what we do get to see is a young Han Solo who's really just stoked on life. And we see his yeah. intro to the world. What we haven't seen is what's in between Solo and Episode Six. Right. And that's where I, I, I understand that. And I totally give them the option or chance to do that yet. And I've pointed that out. But to steal something from a good friend of Midnight's Edge, Victor Dan, Victor Van Doomcock, I don't know if you're aware of him at all, but he, he's quite the character. But he <laughs> said this, and this is this is a really good point, is, you know, these things might have been implied in the movie as far as, like, you know, like at the end when she leaves, he doesn't really seem to care that much. Sure, he's probably burying that feeling, but because of the actor they chose, it's not portrayed very well. Hmm. And I think that was one thing that really hurt the film, first of all, was Alden Einreich, or however you say his name, because he just didn't do it for me and i don't know wh- why they didn't get um anthony ingruber i uh, s- not that he would have fixed the movie but i think he would have been a lot better choice i saw anthony's audition tape on youtube um and i thought i thought that it was incredible um i liked alden's han solo I, it's hard. It's hard. I want to be careful. I've seen some people do. I've seen some people do, and I understand that. But to me, he came off smarmy when he was trying to be, you know, suave. Sure. You know what I mean? It was like whenever he was trying to do one thing, it would come off as something else to me. Sure. Um, I, I, I want to give credit to the guy who I went to see Star Wars with because he, he had said something interesting that with a character like Han Solo, Alden can't really take a lot of creative freedom in portraying him. You know what I mean? Right, uh, the, and that's where I think Ben Gruber would have been a better choice. But go ahead, sure, sorry. sure, and I, I, maybe maybe there were better options, but um, I I think with what he was given, especially with all the drama that the film went through, you know, up until that seventy percent film completion mark, I think he I think he did about as best as anyone could. Because who's to say who's to say that any other actor could have done better under the same circumstances? And that's very true. And that's very true. And that's where I've said several times too. There, even recasting him wouldn't have fixed this movie. Sure. The, the movie wasn't completely his fault. And I went in thinking, okay, he's gonna be the worst part of this movie. And unfortunately for me, it he was the worst part, but it wasn't the only problem. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll do the, all the other performances I loved, except for and Paul Bettany went a little overboard in some scenes, but that's all right. He was playing a villain. That's okay. Um, I loved Donald Glover. Donald as Glover Lando. blew me away. But I hated what they did to his character. It wasn't fair to him. It wasn't fair to Billy D. Williams. Totally. Totally. It was, it was it was Kathleen Kennedy kind of stomping on the original trilogy in that sense of like, uh, no, these characters don't get to be normal people. They have to be pansexual. You know, and like I I agree with you there. That that can be a part that we hang on. Let's talk about the droid. Um and Let's talk about Donald Glover for a little bit uh, because I agree with sure. you. I think I think Donald Glover portrayed Lando fantastically, but then I think everyone else behind the scenes ruined Lando. Exactly. <laughs> I agree completely. It was one of those things like, no, why did you do this to this character? You have the perfect guy playing him. He's got the voice. He's got the look. He's got the charm. The charm, yeah, it was all there. It was Lando. It was a young. I'm like sitting here thinking, I want to see a young Lando movie. I don't want to sit <laughs> through this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
when is this? And I would have been a little bit better, you know, and that's kind of something I said early on in a lot of our, when we've talked about this on Midnight's Edge After Dark and Midnight's Edge is I've said, you know, I would have much rather they made a rule up front. Like you cannot make a legacy character movie outside of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's the only exception because we've got you and McGregor still. <laughs> we sure that do. aside, that aside, no legacy character movies they can only do cameos and i would have no issue with like leia cameos like rogue one and stuff like that like if you did a lando movie and it had just one short scene with a cameo with harrison ford as a young you know young down cgi sure han sure. solo i'd have no issue with that or a boba fett movie with a han solo cameo there's no problem with that i don't like the idea of because Rob and I both say this all the time. Once you tell the backstory of a character that you really like like this, where you don't really need to know the backstory, you demystify the character yes, quite a I, bit. Yes, I, I agree with you there as well. Um, because I, I, again, I really liked Solo. I loved the movie. I'll probably see it a few more times. But we, I never asked for this. Like... This this was probably at the bottom of the bucket as far as things that I was excited that Disney would do once they rebooted Star Wars. Like Han Solo was such this mysterious character who like I had this desire to want to know more about him, but that's where it stopped. I never wanted to seek it. I never wanted to actually find out more about right. him. I liked that he was just this kind of, you know, chill, kind of negative uh hotshot guy who's just kind of over it all. And I really like yeah. that mystique. Um, well, it goes to that old saying of never meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because nothing, nothing is going to live up to that, you know, legend you have in your head already, especially when it comes to somebody like Han Solo, because he's such a pure archetype. Totally. And, and Andre, uh, he's brought this up a few times. You know, he's such a pure archetype that when you bring up certain characters, you bring him up as an example. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, oh, he's the Han Solo type. Totally, totally. You know, you know. So it's like to do this to that character to me is akin to kind of what they did to Michael Myers. I don't know if you're a Halloween fan at all, but when they kind of changed him from just being this, you know, silent, nonstop, nonstoppable killer. Unstoppable killer. I mean, this unstoppable killer into the brother and, you know, give him a backstory and all. So it kind of just takes away from who totally. he is as far as the mystery. And, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Same thing with Darth Vader. Did we really need the prequels? You know, it's like you stop and ask yourself, you know, yeah, some of them was pretty fun. Some of it wasn't. And episode three was episode pretty three good. Was really good. Yeah. But so but really ask yourself that question. Did we really need to see that story? Was it as good as the story in your head? No. And and yes, I'm one of those who does not like fan fiction. I'm I'm one of those who will first of all say, yeah, it, are you really upset at the movie or is it just not what you were expecting <laughs> right. because it's not what you had in your head? And I've had a lot of people ask that to me about Han Solo, and it's like that's not the problem. If there's anything I'm going to turn go in and do anything different and change as a fan in quotes, it would be the whole Chewy part because to me that just wasn't handled well in a sense that it, it didn't feel like to me that they set up the whole life debt. Really totally. Well I would argue that a lot of yeah. their development was left on the cutting floor because yeah. uh, that that scene was too rushed for me to believe that anyone thought that to, for me to think that that was their original plan with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I mean, even if you weren't going to do what was in the extended universe, I have no love or uh, I have no 
attachment to the extended universe. I've hardly read any of the novels or anything like that. So to me, I'm one of those, when I see a movie, I don't want to have to do homework. Totally. And you shouldn't have to. (laughs) So I hate the, you know, the precursor novels to where you got to read something to find out what happened ahead of time. that kind of stuff. So to me, I wouldn't have been hurt if they didn't, you know, and I know they didn't pull everything, but they didn't borrow some things, but that would be one of those things where it made more sense in the extended universe to where he was, he was a slave and solo, you know, help them. And, you know, it was just the way they set it up in the movie. It was fun. It was handled fun, but there was just not enough substance there. And I think you're right that a lot of it probably got left on the cutting room floor to where, or there's more going to be more to it down the road. But that's the question now with how this performed, how are they going to handle this going forward too? Sure. So what did you think of Darth Maul? His little cameo there. It was, it was neat. Uh, was it necessary? Probably not, but it was a nice little moment to go. Oh, cool. You know, it was one of the few moments where I was like, all right, you know, something cool. Sure. Sure. Uh, Cause I'm one of those, I really hate references that are just like, I brought up the whole, when Tobias brought up going to Tatooine and he had a job and all that. I hate those kind of things in movies. Cause it reminds me, I'm sure you've seen the Hobbit movies, mm. right? Now, you know, at the end when, uh, they, uh, uh, what's his name? God darn it. Legolas is there and uh, he's being told about Aragorn and that's something that doesn't happen for like 60 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's a little long to be like saying, oh, you should go check out this ranger guy. You know, I hate it when movies, prequel movies like that do that kind of a thing because it feels so pandering. It's, it's very they fan did it right service in Rogue One. and it usually yeah. is never good. Yeah, they did it right in Rogue One. I was expecting Rogue One to be a little bit more cheesy at the end. I thought it was going to, you know, sync up just a little bit more in episode with episode four in a sense that they would be like, oh, you didn't have to go that yeah. far. They did it just right. You know, they left you a few moments ahead of time. I was expecting I was expecting it to end with the droids about to go out into the hallway just before. Oh, oh sure. So sure. I was expecting so I was expecting some cheesy dialogue between C-3PO and R2-D2 that was going to set up episode four in some really cheesy way. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm glad they didn't go there. You know? Totally, totally. So, yeah. So, I mean, there, you can do it that way or you can do it this way, the way they did it here. Or you can do it, like like I said, with The Hobbit where it's like, oh, please don't Yeah, do like that. why? That's, Come on. That's too yeah, just like shaking. We know your it's head. coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, we know it's coming. You don't need yeah. to. Yeah. 80% really of the people down. in the theater seeing The Hobbit have seen The Lord of the Rings. Exactly. And that moment was completely unnecessary. It was just there to have that, aha, I know what he's right, talking about. Right. Moment. And I, I also would argue that, yeah, to your point, that was it's so unnecessary because I bet you the same, if not more, percent of people who saw Solo, that was not their first Star Wars movie. No, and, and that's just it to me, too. I was like, if you're not going to have Jabba or Tatooine or any of that to be a part of the movie, don't, don't bring, bring it up. up. You don't need to. It's just let it be. It was I, I was I'll give it another I'll give it some more credit, even though they crammed the dice in there everywhere they could. I was glad we didn't go to Canto Bite. Yeah, I figured that was the whole reason they set it up in The Last Jedi, because I said that to so many people. I'm like, that's the only reason it's there is because we're going to see it in Solo. I was glad we didn't. I mean, even though it probably would have paid off better years down the road for us, but still, it was one of those things like, oh, good, they didn't go there. It wasn't that pandering. It wasn't that, you know, I'll give it that much. There was a lot of points where they could have gone that much further and made it that much worse, and they didn't. Totally. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it could have been a hell of a lot worse than it was, but 
you know, and to quote Doomcock again, though, and it's true, this movie, this Star Wars movie did something that The Last Jedi didn't do or any other Star Wars movie before that, no matter how bad they were. And that was it bored him. And I was bored, too, through a lot of it. I kept checking my clock just like, how long, much longer is yeah. this? Because there was a lot of moments where the movie just drugged. And I know some people enjoyed it, and I'm glad they did and they found joy in it. Because there's a lot of movies that I don't like that people <laughs> love, like Gone with yeah, the Wind. Sure. You know? sure. I, I respect it for what it is, but I'm not going to sit through it again for another three and a half yeah, hours. I'm sorry. Totally. You know? Um uh, it's just one of those things, you know, but there, you know, there's people that don't like the Godfather and I'll sit through that for three hours. So it's the same difference. You know, I totally get that. That's what makes us all different people. And I don't want to take that away from that. And I'm glad, and I hope we can get to a point in the star Wars fandom again, like we were back with the prequels to where it's like, you know what? I understand you didn't like that, but I liked it, you know, right. and that's okay. And that's okay. You know, nobody has to get into a big fist fight over it, you know? Because that's just something that's really torn me away from Star Wars a lot. And and Rob, my partner, too, because he loves Star Wars as well. And it's really bothered him is just this this toxicness, yeah. the way the things are turning out. And it's like, you know, you start to question whether or not you've been better off just leaving things the way they were and not having any more Star Wars. But it's like, uh, you know, it's just you shouldn't have to ask yourself that we should be happy as a fandom that we have it. But we're also not going to sit there and be blind fans. Totally, totally. You know, and, you know, and that's one thing I kept running across with the DC fandom when it was like, why can't you guys just understand that? You know, because I'm a DC fan first over Marvel myself personally. So I was one of those in the camp that I just don't like what they're doing to my characters, you know. But to them, you know, you'd have a lot of these people that were just diehard, you know, buy it, whatever it is, no matter what, just because it has a Batman or Superman <laughs> yeah. symbol on it. You got to love it. It's like, you know what? You can slap a Superman or Batman symbol on a piece of crap and put sprinkles on it, but it's still a piece of crap. Right, underneath. right. Underneath, and you're not going to convince me under otherwise, totally, you know? <laughs> totally. And, and I, I think I think that's true. And, I, I, and that worries me, you know, about the future of Star Wars and whatnot, that to be a fan of something, I now have to concern myself with defending myself. And that's like, that's exactly. not healthy, you know? <laughs> like... I, I and you see that in all the fandoms. It's not just with Star totally. Wars. No, it's it's all over. It's with Star Trek, definitely. It's with Ninja Turtles too. I've seen it because I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan. And you've got two camps there too. Those who will support no matter what comes out, just because it's got a turtle on it, and those like me who said, "Wait a minute, Michael Bay screwed up my Ninja right, Turtles. I'm right. sorry." <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna let that stand. You know, it's just and and there's I I appreciate those fans who are that loyal. But at the same time, you know, to me, it's like if you're going to be that loyal to a to a brand or a franchise, it's like it's no different than being in an abusive relationship. Totally. And just going, oh, but he loves. Yeah. And and, I know and, he and remember me, all those times me. that he was yeah. good to me. Like, exactly. It's like, but that doesn't make it better. And then you get those other ones who are scared. They're like, oh, oh but if you say anything bad, then we won't get it right. anymore. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah like that is that it's total abusive relationship and um it's like they're gonna give us something we want next time that's what we're trying to right, get you right. know it's like they will listen to us eventually it's our money that talks to them and, you know and then and, and, and it's yeah. definitely speaking in numbers in the solo film they weren't it has it's yeah they had they had projected that this was going to be the least grossing star wars film but i don't know if they expected this little amount to be made from it no this is definitely going to cause some pause and um this is getting into the arena where i've 
brought up, you know, I've played devil's advocate and said, oh, well, what if it does this or what if it doesn't do that? And this is one of those what if it does this moments where it's like it did not really make a hundred million dollars over that three day weekend. Yes, it did over the four day, but just barely. Right. And overseas, it's tanking. Yeah. Uh, like literally tanking, like it just did like under fifty million dollars overseas, which is which is unheard ridiculous. of. Especially like you said, when you slap a name like Star Wars on something, that's guaranteed big money. And that's I think that fandom has gone out and proved to you these corporations that if you keep screwing with things we love, we're not going to go see them. I think they proved that with. I mean, the fandom finally did come out with Transformers. They stopped going. Same thing with the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Same thing, you know, with uh, DC. That they they really sh- showed there that we're not going to take it anymore with Justice League. Nobody would have imagined that would have done as bad as it did. This is on that same kind of level now. Um, you're going to see some major changes in the next few months, probably come out of Lucasfilm. Now, do I think Kathleen Kennedy is going to get fired or anything? Like that? No, but you're going to see some other people come in who are probably more adept to Star Wars, like Dave Filoni yeah. is the name I keep yeah. hearing around. Um, and I think you're going to see some regime changes in the sense that they're going to probably take things in a little bit different direction. Um, I, now, this was this is big rumor territory. I mean, I've even heard that JJ's rather upset with how things have went, regardless of what some of the fans feel about him. I mean, he, you know, of course, in public said, you know, he was happy that the director went in his own direction but you got to imagine behind doors he's like what the hell did yeah, this guy like, what's do go- what happened to this thing <laughs> you know this was supposed to be a partnership but he's left me with nothing like like you have left right. me with absolutely nothing to go for in the next year and a half before the last star wars of this trilogy comes out right and we've brought this up in many many videos on midnight's edge and you got to treat these franchises like a television yes. show because they are in a sense that yeah, because you have different writers and you have different directors for every show, but you have a showrunner who makes sure everything is coherent. Because if one guy came in and killed off all your characters in one episode, the guy, and then hands it the back to the next director and says, "Good luck." <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. Because that's why you have a showrunner to make sure stuff keeps, you know, keeps consistent throughout. So that that's where I think Kathleen Kennedy is failing in her job. She's allowing too many other politics and things yeah. to get involved here. Whether you've liked the films or not, it's time to stand up and say, yeah, this is not working totally. out. You know, and the fans did the same thing back when it came to the prequels. You know, even though we hated to say it, we all said, yeah, you know, maybe it's time for George to kind of to move step on. Aside, yeah. And, you know, there's this, he's got his little fan base of people that are out there, you know, doing their petitions and all that kind of stuff. It, it's not going to do anything, guys. I'm sorry. George Lucas has moved on from Star Wars. He cashed his check. He's moved on. Yeah, and and, a, and it was a big enough check for him that I don't think he's going to be living with much regrets about that. See, and I remember an interview for, with him, God, it might have been 20 years ago now, where he said there was a time where he imagined – and and was looking forward to going to the theater and seeing what other people would do with his characters right. and stories. And, you know, we've gotten to that point and I feel bad for him because in some ways I feel like, yeah, there's been a lot of what he's done. That's been just kind of crapped on. But then some people got to also remember that a lot of what his plan was for this sequel trilogy was in the last yeah. guy. Like that kind of encapsulated a lot of what his entire plan was for this new trilogy. So you got to question yourself, would he been the right man for this job either? So, I mean, and I don't want to take anything away from George Lucas. The man is an artist. He gave us one of the greatest, you know, franchises of all time. Totally. But 
you know, I mean, it just it just goes to show, though, without the proper people working on these things, you're not going to get a very good product. Um, and I think Empire Strikes Back is a perfect example of that. You had Irvin Kirshner come in, who was a seasoned director. You had Lawrence Kasdan helping with the writing. And you had all these other people involved, you know, with a lot of voices saying, you know, this is, you know, and they knew what to do with this. And George Lucas, was, that's the one movie of all of them up until recently that he was more in the background oh, yeah. on. Um, because then when Return of the Jedi came around, he was kind of satellite director. Yeah. And you start to notice a lot of the cracks in Return of the Jedi that went forward into the prequels. And that was, you know, a lot of the same kind of stuff we don't like. And that was starting with the Ewoks that moved in with like Jar Jar and the Gungans and, you know, some of the just nonsensical, you know, we're going to fight now because we got lightsaber stuff. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you know? right. a lot of that fight with Vader makes no sense. And I've brought this up to people. It's like Vader wants them to he wants with his son to, to rule the universe. Right. But he stops Luke from killing the Emperor. Isn't that exactly what he wants to happen? Sure. So it's kind of like there's this whole conflict through this whole thing. And the only way you can kind of convince your get your head around it if you really stop to think about it, like if you know you sit there and really overanalyze that final fight between Luke and Vader, is Luke the whole time was fighting or Vader, I'm sorry. Vader the whole time was fighting for basically Luke's soul. Yes. You stop and think about it. It's like even though he was taunting him, even though he was fighting him, he was trying to stop him from killing the emperor himself. And if you think about it from that angle, it really does kind of tie into the whole thing with in episode three when he kills um, Dooku and, you know, that whole thing, because he like he knows that was the moment that he turned. So if you really look at this, like, okay, there is some deeper stuff here that Lucas might have kind of tried to tap into, but then sometimes you're like, am I giving the guy a little too much credit? <laughs> yeah, then you have to you have to keep in mind that the same guy who gave us Jar Jar Binks, and then you're like, well, maybe. Exactly. So it's like, eh, you can overanalyze this stuff until you're, you know, you've analyzed yourself to the point where you're like, oh my god, it's an analogy for yeah, everything in the world. Yeah, you question your own existence because of Star Wars yeah. and, you know. I think there's a point where <laughs> it gets unhealthy. <laughs> With a lot of LSD, I'm sure they did. <laughs> you get enough. You get enough LSD. You can question a lot of things. I'm sure. Exactly. I mean, I've never touched it myself, but I'm sure Star Wars on LSD is a trip. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine as well. Um, but no, I mean, it's just it's. It, I think they kind of lost their way when it came to what Star Wars really meant to people. And unfortunately, that's the sad part is, is it sounds like Kathleen Kennedy is handling that part right. Because the, the, the rumor is when she has the directors and writers and whoever come in, they ask, she asks them, the first question is, what does Star Wars mean to you? And what would, what would you like to do with Star Wars that means something to you? Which is great, but, but does she ask, that's like almost does giving... Does she ask herself that question? Well, not just that, but is she asking, is this what a, a, a majority of the people are going to want? Because, you know, basically what I was getting to is she's basically giving all these guys their own fan film. Yeah. And instead of saying, here, this is our playground. You can play in it, but there are rules. Instead, she's going, here, jump on in. Do whatever the hell you want. Shit in the sand for all we care. Uh, but <laughs> just know? make sure that your female protagonist has everything. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's how they get their job is they're... I'm surprised Paul Feig hasn't made a Star Wars movie yet, to be honest with you. I mean, that's where it's like it seems like that's your criteria for being able to get into this is if you got to be a pro-feminist and all this other stuff. Because the only people who have been involved with this that are involved with the original Star Wars outside of the cast have been 
only Kasdan. Yeah. Really. And John Williams, but you can't really count it. You know, where's Ben Burke? Where are all these other guys that were like the soul of Star Wars for 20 some right, years? The, because the they were the only guys it. that were always there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Joe Johnston is another one that Rob brings up, you know, but uh, we've heard rumors that Joe Johnston and Kathleen Kennedy don't get along after Jurassic Park 3, so that might be a reason there. Um, but, <laughs> you know, there's just all these times you question yourself, and I said it on Monday Match Show yesterday. I said, you know, Steven Spielberg was the one who pushed for Alden Ehrenreich. Why didn't he direct so right. well? If he was so hopped up on this kid, maybe he would have been able to make this. I mean, everybody's wanted a Spielberg directed Star Wars film since forever. They wanted him to direct The Force Awakens. And he said, no, 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 have have my uh, cheap version do it. You know, <laughs> have cheap me do it. Yeah. I'm surprised he just didn't call himself Steven Spielberg, though. But yeah, <laughs> the reference a Simpsons joke. But, but, but close enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's like. I think he would have done a much better job with it if he had been there from the start. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Ron Howard. I feel sorry for Ron. I haven't really mentioned him too much because I don't blame him for this. Yeah, I I, I think he's to credit of the reason why it's a passable film. Oh, probably. But I, I'll sit there and I've said this, too. I've said, you know what? Honestly, they would have been better off just letting Lord Miller finish it. Because, yeah, they might have had a shitty movie, but at least they wouldn't have had a shitty movie and been out the money, right, too. Right, because now, yeah, instance, now you wonder, yeah. did they make back what they spent? Oh, they're right. never going to. Never going to. You're looking at, this is like Justice League level money they spent on this movie. They, they're they reporting, like, I think, $258 million, I think is what they're reporting. There's no way that's it's the budget. Insane. It's got to be at least a... Yeah. Almost maybe twice that, yeah. I bet. Because they basically shot two movies in they one. They shot two movies in so one, you, and they shot two Star Wars movies in one. Exactly. It's not just a regular movie. You got a good point there. It's a Star Wars yeah. movie. So, you yeah. Know, this is, you're looking at $200 million budget right. easy. No, so. totally. And that's, I don't know, man. It's concerning for me. Like I'm sure they, yeah. So so I want to I wanna wrap up here. What do you think? Sure, sure. What do you think is the next step for them? Like, what what do you need to see from episode nine? Well, they're lucky they've got a. I think it's a because episode nine is not set to come out until right. December of they, next they year. Ha, they have a year and a half before they have to. They've worry got about a that. year and a half to breathe. Um, I think JJ's really kind of panicking. Well, not panicking, but I'm sure he's stressed oh, to yeah. the edge. Whether you like him or hate him out there, if you're listening, I know there's a lot of haters of him out there. You got to give the guy a chance, though. Here, this is it. This is like. You know, Rocky in the 15th <laughs> round here. Uh, you got to either go the distance. And if at least you go the distance, at this point, I figure as long as J.J. can come up with an ending to this trilogy that at least everybody goes, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going <laughs> right. to be. It'll be a victory, um, which a lot of people felt was going to be the victory with Solo. But that didn't turn out that way because we have had a lot of people out there who turned around and said, oh, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it wasn't enough to save this movie. This movie is going to bomb. Um, this is going to be the first Star Wars movie to lose money. Uh, it's going to really red, raise some red flags over at yeah. Disney. I wouldn't be, like I said, surprised if you don't start to see a few more people from outside places of Star Wars starting to get interjected a little bit more into the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if Dave Filoni's name starts coming up some more. Um, you, you, 
anybody who's been involved with the previous trilogies might start kind of creeping in besides Kasdan. Uh, and that might have been a mistake, too, as Kasdan allowing his son too much free reign yeah. on this. There, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to cut either one of them down, but, you know, it. I know Kasdan's to that point where he's about ready to retire anyway, so... I think I've heard rumors that, you know, when he's done with all this Star Wars stuff, he's done anyway. But I could be wrong. That was just rumors I heard. So it's just it's one of those things where it's like you need to get some fresh blood. Yes, but you also need the veterans there to make sure the kids don't get too crazy because there you can break these things. And that's what we've learned, especially from D.C., especially from Ghostbusters, all these Star Trek Discovery to a point so far. We have yet to see how that's all going to turn out. But. There is a large enough voice out there of disgruntled fans that sooner or later they're going to have to start listening. And sure, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy right. all the time. Especially you know, with the fan base as big as Star Wars. Oh, yeah, never. And, you know, and that's a common saying. No matter what you do, they're always going to bitch. Star Wars fans have complained since The Empire Strikes <laughs> Back. That's just the way yeah. it is. But I feel and I hope in my heart that the fan base comes together again at some point and realizes that we need to work together in some way, shape or form and understand that not everybody's going to love the same thing. Cause you know, it's like you, I look at it like this. It's like, I can ask you what, who your favorite star Wars character is. And I guarantee you it's not my same star Wars character, but we can still be star Wars fans and be friends about and, it. And more or less, it and more that? or less, more, more than likely, uh, I like the person who is your favorite star Wars character too. Right. And that's what I was trying to get to is like, you know, so not every one of the movies is going to be everybody's favorite movie. My favorite Star Wars movie is not always going to be your granted. Most fans think Empire Strikes Back is the best. Sure. That's it's the Star Trek, too. Yes. It's whatever. You know, it's (laughs) it just happens to be that movie. But there's going to be that Star Wars fan that solo is his favorite movie or the Phantom Menace is her favorite movie. And. I don't want to take that joy away from that person. And I'm not trying to sound like John Campia here, but that's the truth on that. I mean, that's the whole point of having a fandom. But if we can't at least work together in a sense that, yes, I understand why you're upset. And I, 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 I support the reasons why you're upset, even though I don't agree with them. And the same goes for the other way around is I support why you like this. And I, you know, I want you to be able to, you know, like this and, and, of course, not, you're not always going to see eye to eye. That's the same thing with religion and politics and everything else. But if we can just find a common ground, which is Star Wars, and work from there, I think that's a building block. And so maybe that's what Solo will do because there's been a lot of, you know, at least people coming from both yeah. sides. You know, like I said, it's the one side starting to see what some of the other guys are saying about the whole politics thing and some of those that, you know, hated the other movies are, you know, they didn't hate this as much. So either way, I think that at least if anything comes out of this, that much might. Hopefully. And that's probably my last thought on that, I suppose, so I can let you cut this off. No, that's good. That's good. Um, Tom, I appreciate having you on here. It was really good meeting you as well. Um, That was a a fun conversation we had. Tell the people where where they can find you real quick and do your plug. and. Sure. Um, of course, you can always find me on Midnight's Edge and Midnight's Edge After Dark on YouTube. We also have uh, official Twitter at Midnight's underscore Edge. You can always follow us there. And I have my own Twitter at Thomas Connors Jr. So check me out there if you want to. And that's about it. All right. Welcome back. 
Well, I guess you you never really went anywhere. But. No, we pretty much just like paused for a second and said, "All right, we're back." Yes, we're we're the magic fake. of editing. Yeah, I was gonna say pulling totally opening the curtain on on what goes on yeah. behind the set. But thanks, Tom, again for coming on. It was a pleasure. Um, we could have totally played a joke on all the listeners and. Uh, said that um, the reason why Twitch isn't in the interview is because he's taking a really long piss. <laughs> no, because he's falling asleep in the theater. He's falling asleep in the theater. <laughs> Twitch, uh, Twitch hadn't seen the interview by the, when I had offered to. It was very short notice. We were like, hey, come do the thing. And they were like, all right, cool, let's do it tomorrow. That was basically how it yeah. happened. So it was, like, it was like, if Twitch hasn't seen it yet, I don't think it's going to be able to happen. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that was good. That was good. Good interview. I love that guy. I honestly, I want to talk to him again. Uh, and he wants I feel to talk like to I you. Missed so. out. I feel like I missed out. Uh, I I can't say that I disagree with a lot of the points he made. Uh, he's very knowledgeable on what he's he is. doing. He is. Um, I can't like the one thing, and I only got to listen to the first part of the interview, but um, the one thing that I was like spot on man tom like you had you hit the nail on the head is when he was talking about the big problem between uh huge franchises like the star wars universe and the dc universe and the marvel universe he talked about the fact that like the marvel universe they have kevin feige who is doing an excellent job as their head of that department um because he's really handling it like what you would do for a television series. Right. So you can't, ha- you can have guest directors on and stuff. You can have guest writers and stuff like that. But if they go too far off center from it's the material, so noticeable. it's so noticeable. It's so disjointing and it just doesn't feel like you're watching the same show. Yeah. And sometimes it'll happen when you're watching uh, some of your favorite series, like either a new, a new showrunner comes on and a show takes totally left turn from where yeah. it was the previous season. Or it's a guest director who's like a big name in Hollywood and he's like, I'm gonna do my thing. And right. you can totally see through see through what they're trying to do. Um, and it's not to say each of those individual episodes and TV shows uh, don't have their own unique voice when they bring on different writers. But different, there's a certain point there's a where cer- you have to have a certain amount of respect for what you're doing. Exactly. And there's got to be a certain amount of continuity yeah. going into it. And with something as large as Star Wars, it goes very noticed. Yes. And that's that was a huge problem. Like when you bring in somebody that's like Ryan Wilson, who is known for his type of filmmaking. Ryan Johnson. Um, and, yeah, Ryan jo- Did I say something you wrong? You said Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson, my God, That's Ryan okay. Johnson, who is got his own style and his own way when he's like, all right, I'm going to take this project and do it the Ryan Johnson way. There's going to be a problem yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like Marvel has done a good job of keeping everything relatively like within its lane. Each film, they have different directors and their own bringing their own flavor. But for the most part, it's staying in line with it. Yes. Um, yeah. And with the exception, like, I think as I love Thor Ragnarok. Really, really loved it. It did go a little bit off the rails from what they've previously done sure. before. Sure. But I will say this. It's the best out of all the three Thor films that are out there. So you can far. take you can take risks and, it ha- and have it work. Yes. But. but with the Star Wars universe, it's 
that is one thing that is supposed to be so solidified. Yes, yeah. Like even the prequels with their dumb assery of doing like adding in the midichlorians and like, um, you know, Anakin Skywalker is actually Jesus. Right. Uh, right. And some of the bullshit with the Senate and stuff like that. It still felt like a Star yes, Wars. Yes. Trilogy. Yeah. Uh, Last Jedi and the Han Solo film. A little disjointed. A little disjointed. It totally felt like somebody else's movie. It yeah. didn't feel like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. So, and he was spot on with that's a huge problem with DCU. The DCEU. It's so disjointed because Zack Snyder is trying to make it a Zack Snyder film. No, nah, it just needs to be a DC film. Right. It's all it needs to be. So figure out what that looks like and go from and, there. And just cut and copy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a shame, and I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, at the end of of what can happen to improve uh, very critical fans like you yeah. and Tom uh, to kind of get you guys back on board with with nine, and it looks like a monumental leap. Needs it's to be made. it's going to be huge leap. Like I, you know, I do not envy J.J. Abrams in the position that he was in because that that's the other thing, and I don't know how much we talked about it when we were discussing the Star Wars um, Last Jedi and stuff like that. But the fact that, like, he had everything set up. He, he, they had a game plan going into Force Awakens when they started that this is kind of the arc that we're looking for over all three films. And then Ryan Johnson came in and just flipped everybody off with the throwing the, the lightsaber yeah, over the shoulder. About the, the, we the talked meme. about that. Yeah. And it just is like, new true. game plan. It's true. So I, I do not envy that man for any second right now yeah so good luck jj uh, good luck <laughs> you're gonna need it yeah and no pressure at all no pressure so the the entire star wars universe is just it on literally your back pretty right much now. depends on you so <laughs> no big deal no big deal or anything but i i think we had talked about it in the interview uh if not i had talked about it with you before but the worst thing that could happen is that nine's a flop and then star wars takes another 10 year sabbatical yeah and that's not the worst. Thing I would to not have be happened. upset. I would not be upset. Right. We survived it the first time it happened. We didn't even know, like, until the early '90s, like the mid '90s, almost that there was going that there to be any more. Going to be anymore. And it was the same thing. And when uh, what was it, 2012? When yeah. All this hype started happening. Yeah. Um, it was the same thing then. We we're like, oh, nice, more Star Wars. That's yeah. this is great. So maybe that's maybe that's what it takes. Maybe that's what it needs. Yeah. The world right now is in a very critical state, and maybe we just need to simmer down a little bit yeah. before we can introduce more Star Wars. Just let Marvel continue to do its its yes almost perfection with yes. franchising. Eventually, they'll run out of steam, and then you can pick yep. back up where they left off. Yep. But until then, take a break. And you guys take a break, too. Thanks for listening. Go check out Midnight's Edge, but also check us out. Yes. Yes. You forgot to do that all in the beginning, too. Who cares? We saved them a plug in the beginning. You can follow us on Twitter at KN Nerds. You can follow us on Facebook at Know Nothing Nerds or Facebook.com forward slash Know Nothing Nerds. Or you can email us at Know Nothing Nerds at gmail.com. Do all those things. Do one, no, do all three of them this week. And, and here's some added stuff for you, just a little bit of a bonus. Subscribe on iTunes, yes. Stitcher, wherever you find us, and then share that shit with everybody. Everyone. Share it with your freaking cat. Yep. I, I can't share it with cats because 
Cats you'd, quite you'd literally rather, kill me. Yeah, you'd be rather allergic. I'd, I'd be dead if I tried to do it. So I have to rely on you, the listeners, to actually share it with the cats. Yeah. So go fucking do it already. There you go. There you go. Nice, simple message. <laughs> we'll see you next week with another interview. Yes. we're on interview month this month. Yes, the we're going to be uh, interviewing uh, Barry McLean Jr., uh, he's a Denver local uh, who does uh, comic book art. That sounds so terrible. He's a comic book artist. There, that's, there you go. That sounds a there lot better. Uh, the guy is he's amazing. Done stuff too. He's he's worked on multiple different projects. Um, he's got some a uh, couple of personal passion uh, passion projects um, that we'll be talking to him about. Um, one of them is called Q Ball, a yes. uh, a ninja. Uh, pool queuing uh, warrior who's just a badass. Which sounds badass. Yes. So uh, we'll be talking to him next week. Until next time, uh, have a have a have a solo happy day. Ha! And don't watch the movie. Bye. <laughs> Coming from the guy that's the fan. <laughs>